Good morning, beloved. Good morning. I don't know. Anything here? Yeah. This one's good. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I am one of your uh, elders here, uh, elder pastors at Beloved Church. For those who don't know me, my name is Josh. Um, and one thing that uh, some of you may or may not know is that I happen to love music. So I've been playing the guitar since I was a child. Uh, I learned how to read music. I learned how, how to play. I learned what to do. But in that process, something kind of slipped through the cracks. And uh, by the time I got to college, I could not write for you a single major scale. Right? So they, they give you this test. These kind of like, what do you know? What do you know? Nothing, apparently, I guess. I don't know. I've been playing my whole life, and I, I still can't do this one simple task. Um, and it, it's absolutely crazy how you, know, you can go through an entire process, and you can know how to do it. Like, put the music in front of me. I, I would read it for you. I would play it for you. But I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand the theory or the why behind any of what I was doing. Right? And my goal for you today is to make sure none of you have to suffer that same embarrassment. So here we go, right? A scale goes from letter to letter. It goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There is no H, okay? I don't know how many musicians we have out there. If you tell me H, you're wrong, all right? After that, we just go back to the beginning, okay? So now, now you can all write a scale. You're welcome, right? <laughs> the, uh, the issue is, is that major? Right? And so some of you musicians out there are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I feel like there's something missing here. And you're, you're right, there is. Right? Um, the starting point of your notes make a massive difference in what scale you're actually playing from a musical standpoint. Right? And we would, uh, we would equate the major scale to something of happiness, brightness, happiness. And the minor scale would be something that we would usually consider, we would equate when we hear it to something of sadness. Uh, and, and it's amazing that a, a shift of where you start can make all the difference in the way something actually is. Right? Today in Galatians, we're going to talk through something that perhaps you have heard. Maybe you've heard this hundreds of times throughout the time of your life. But the slightest little difference, it's very easy to miss, and it will make a profound difference. So today we are going to be in Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to be starting in verse 15. Paul is talking here. He says, We are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners, and yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. Now, let me back up and just give a little context to what's happening here. Right? This is in reference to a debate uh, that was between Peter and Paul back in Antioch. Uh, Peter had stopped eating with the Gentiles. Uh, Peter's position in this case was, yes, you need Jesus, uh, but also here are these rules you need to follow as well, right? Uh, you have the new covenant with Jesus, but at the same time, you need to follow all these old covenant rules too. Uh, Paul is bringing it up here in this letter to Galatia uh, because they're falling into the same line of thinking. And let me clarify that um, he's not saying that Jews are not sinners, Right? This would be in very clear contradiction to other times where he points out that he himself, a Jew, is chief among sinners, such as 1 Timothy. Um, what he is saying is that Jews grew up 
already knowing this law. Like they grew up with the law, the Mosaic law, uh, whereas the Gentiles grew up outside of Israel and didn't have these laws from birth. So what he's saying is, if Jews who grew up with these laws from birth can't even keep them, then, then why are we now attaching this huge burden onto these Gentiles who didn't grow up with it before we'll even eat with them, before we'll even let them come in and consider them one of us? Uh, Paul continues in Galatians saying, this was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Justification is a legal term, right? The meaning is twofold, right? On one hand, it's saying that you are being declared innocent, but it's also saying that you were also in the right, right? It would be like finding out that not only did you not lose a race, but you actually won that race, right? When we're justified by Christ, he has taken on the punishment for our sins, Right? Not only that, but he's clothed us in his righteousness. So not only are we not held guilty for the sins of ourselves, but we're also found to be righteous in the eyes of God. Right? Imagine that we are race car drivers. Right? I'm, so, I'm sure if there were kids still in the room, they'd be having a ball with this right now. Like, yes, let's drive fast. Right? But this is no ordinary racetrack that we're on. Okay? Uh, this one has lots of obstacles. Okay, we're talking like trees in the middle of the road, spikes on the ground, sharp turns, steep cliffs. Essentially, it's impossible, right? Everybody knows it, right? I mean, everyone's been driving this track for all time. No one has ever made it through without crashing. Not a single person, right? It's, it's just the impossible course, right? And then Jesus comes along and he drives it perfectly. I mean, not even a scratch, Right? So justified is not only fixing our car, but being gifted his perfect run as well. Peter's argument comes along, and he's saying, hold up. Okay? So if all anyone has to do is come along and say, hey, you know, what team are you on? I'm team Jesus. Okay, great. Right? It's like, wait, if all you have to do is say, I'm team Jesus, like I'm with him, and, and you're gifted this perfect run, aren't we just going to have a bunch of lazy, reckless drivers out there in the world? Like, why, why, why would they even try? Right? In Galatians, it's stated as this. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ a promoter of sin? It's a very good question. I, I, I think it was an important one to ask. So uh, this is at the heart of their disagreement right now. And it's in here because Paul is stating the opposing argument, right? This letter is going to take months to get there and even longer to make that return trip. So Paul has to anticipate what the argument is so that he can offer the rebuttal in this letter. And Peter's position is without rules, right, without the law, as a foundation, will people just use Jesus as this get out of jail free card, right? So will they just live the way they want all week long, go to church on a Sunday, if they feel like it, 
you know, we'll see. You know, it's busy. You know, it's a tough time of year. You know, kids. Am I right? <laughs> so, you know, is, is that what this is going to turn into? All right? Live however you want and just check this little box. Say, Team Jesus, here we go. And then off you go. And Peter's saying, wouldn't it be better if we made sure there were still some rules to follow here? Right? Wouldn't it be better if it was like, hey, actually this, 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 and this. Like that's, that's where we really need to start. When I see you starting to do those things, then we'll talk. Right? Um, so if not, would we not just fall into lawlessness, chaos. And so Paul replies to this, right? He set forth the argument. Now his rebuttal is absolutely not, right? Absolutely not, right? If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. So what Paul is saying Right? What Jesus is saying on, the, on this matter was the point of the law was to show that we don't measure up. Uh, and we already know we can't live up to the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus died to that law. So by accepting Christ, we died to that same law. And now as Jesus lives, we live in him. Right? So we died to that law so that we can live in Christ. Right? Why would we want to go back and try to earn our way again, right? If we do, if we continue to compare ourselves to this law, we will forever find ourselves to be lawbreakers. Kevin alluded to this last week when he talked about an x-ray machine, right? So if you're driving along this course, right, you're gonna crash, you're probably gonna break a leg, right? Go to a doctor, let's x-ray that thing. Broken, like yeah, you, yep, broken, and yep, broken, every single one of us, right? And it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to check myself out again. Hey, doc, how, how am I this time? Hmm, still broke. I'm like, okay, cool. Again? And, and now? Broken. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? So every single time we go and check, it's still the same result. It's still the same answer, right? And let me ask you this. And this is just something for you to think about. If we did need something extra, something more, right, that, that other thing that we need to do, to truly be saved, to truly be a Christian, which rule is that? Or what rules are they? What do we need to do or not do before we can say that we are Christian, we're, we're one of us? What would that thing be? Maybe something came to mind, maybe not. But these are the kind of questions that will split churches, right? So unnecessarily. Uh, Kevin will often put it as, a, as an open-handed issue, right? There are close-handed things. There are things that matter for your salvation. And there are things to discuss that we may or may not find out this side of heaven. Right? There are certainly truths to argue for. There are lies to argue against. And Paul at this point is saying that, hey, this, this is one of those truths. And, and we, need, we need to talk about this. So Paul continues, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In order to accept Christ, to take on the penalty of our sin, 
we must admit that we're not perfect. At some point along this way, in order to accept that he is taking on our guilt, our sin, we have to admit that there is that in us, right? We have to humble ourselves in this. But accepting Christ means that ultimately it is his life, not our life, that grants us eternal life in heaven. Everything we do from then on is simply a response to what he has already done for us, to the love, the grace shown to us. To say that we need to fulfill certain laws would be like trying to take back on that debt. It'd be like trying to make our way through that race course again. Like, Jesus, I know you had that perfect run, and like, that's mine too, but I was really thinking maybe if I could take turn eight and nine, I've been practicing, I think I'm gonna get it this time, right? I got that one. Like, it's no, like that's not the way it works. What I want you to do is I want you to think back to a time that you were given a gift, okay? I'm talking a good one, right? Not, not the socks, you know, or that, that tie or whatever, you know? I'm, like, something you really wanted, right? So you got this gift, right? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to guess how you responded, okay? All right, so first guess. Uh, you pulled out your wallet, immediately took out some money, you said, how much? No, okay, all right, fine, that's a tough crowd. All right, so uh, all right, there's another one, maybe. All right, so you get this gift, and you, you run. Like, just, I'm gonna go, right? You take it, and then, and then a week later, you come back, and you're like, that was a pretty good gift. Uh, what else you got? No, okay, all right, fine, fine. You, you're nice people. All right, um, so maybe, maybe you tried to do something for them. It's like, wow, that's awesome. Can I wash your car? Maybe I can do your dishes for a little bit. Want my shoe? Uh, you know, like... You're trying to give them something back, right? All right? Let's imagine for a second that we're going to up the gift a little bit, right? Because you're probably thinking to yourself, well, honestly, I could afford this. You know, I don't really need them to give me anything. Like, I just buy it for myself, right? Let's, let's just, but let's say someone's going to give you a billion dollars, okay? You're not, I don't think anyone here in this room is at that level, right? Okay, so it's up there. And you think, you know what? Cool. Um, Here's 50 bucks. Call it even, right? We're square, right? You give, I give, everything's good, right? Probably not. That, this would come across as very disingenuous, right? Very ungrateful. And most people would likely show an immense amount of gratitude for, for such a gift, right? And you would try to reciprocate, but in no way along this process are you thinking to yourself, I'm going to earn this billion dollars now. Like, I'm going to do enough that, that I finally deserved that. Because you didn't, and you, you never could, right? Everything we do is in response to that gift, knowing it could never be earned. Uh, the last statement here by Paul is he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Right? At this point, this, this is my imaginary, like, just mic drop moment, like, right there. Just like, what now? All right? Like, that's, that's at the heart of the argument, right? So if you look back at some of the, the ritual sacrifices in the Jewish culture, like the sacrificing of the sheep, right? That did not save people, right? It, it wasn't that this sheep somehow did something miraculous, and now these people's sin is forgiven, right? If it did, we'd still be doing it. 
It would still be a valid means of salvation, right? It was simply symbolic for the coming Savior. Christ's sacrifice was once for all and for all time. What Paul is saying here is if we could do this on our own, what would be the point of Christ's deaths? Such a waste. Imagine, imagine there's a house on fire, okay? Everybody makes it out alive. Don't worry, it's fine, right? Everybody makes it out. A fireman comes along and says, this is how much I love you. Runs back into that fire, dies. Right? What are we thinking? Dude was crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're fine. Everyone made it out alive. Like, that, what a waste. It was pointless, right? But let, let's flip that story a little bit. Same house on fire, everyone's still inside, and the fireman comes along and says, this is how much I love you. Goes in there, saves everyone, but dies in that fire. It's a different story, right? That man is a, is a hero. Wow, right? So if we could simply save ourselves, right, there would be no point to Christ's death. Now, I want you to think back to that music lesson, right, free of charge, by the way. Um, <laughs> if we start our scale on note A and B, right, we'll just, we'll just call that A, B, all believers. If this is our starting point, we're gonna think about all the believers and their good works, and then we work ourselves up from there, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? We will end up with a minor scale, right? Oh, <gasps> shocker. Uh, I know some of you, you know, you're like, you're, uh, but <laughs> it's a minor scale, right? It ends in sadness every time. Like that, if that's your starting point, like I'm just gonna start with my good works and we're gonna work, work from there. Like let's just start with thinking about us, thinking about ourselves as believers, and then we'll work our way up. It's never gonna work, never gonna work. Right? It's not about whether or not we're called to do those good works. It's about the starting point. Is it a requirement for salvation? No, in case, in case the answer wasn't clear there. I'll fill that in for you. Um, so if we start on, let's say, the note C, right? And we go C and the D. So we start with Christ's death, right? So we start with Jesus' sacrifice, and then we use all the same notes. So we're just gonna go C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and come back around to C, right? We're just gonna start on a different note. You know what we have? Guesses? Yeah. Uh, so we have a major scale, right? <laughs> it's fine, my, my, my wife, she still doesn't know. I'm, I'm still working. Uh, <laughs> but with this, right, we will have that major scale. And it makes such a difference. It's just a starting point, right? This, this is what fascinated me even in music, right? It's, it's the same notes. It's all the same stuff, right? But it's, it's where you start. Like, what is your foundation here? Is your foundation yourself? Is it just, you know, what you can do? Is that where you're starting from? Or is your starting place what Christ did already? Is that your starting point? Because that difference in starting point makes the difference. All the difference is where you start from. Are we called to do good works? Yes, absolutely. But there's freedom because Jesus already did it all, right? And we are called to live in response to that, right? Because of this, as a Christian, your life ought to be marked with internal peace, 
right? If you're going around trying to earn your way, then you will constantly be riding the roller coaster of life. Today was a good day. I felt like I did all the good things. Ah, tomorrow's not good today. Two weeks ago was just awful, right? You're just up and down, up and down because you're riding on your own belief system, right? You're, you're, you're looking at yourself in terms of how you fit into salvation. Right? It's not about you. You should live in response to that, right? But the internal peace comes because no amount of crashing that you do can ever separate you from the love of God. And you are going to. We are all going to. Reggie said it earlier, right? We'll let you down, you'll let us down. We will all crash and burn. We've been doing it forever, right? But no amount of that can ever separate you from Christ. The bottom line is this. We are not saved through good works. If we could be, Jesus would have died for nothing, right? Yes, our life should be marked with goodness and love just in the same way as if you got that immense gift that you could never repay, you are going to want to show gratitude for that, right? What we do with our lives matters, but only in response to the gift, the grace and the love shown to us. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for loving us enough to die for us. We thank you for the way that you've done that, and we pray that our lives honor you, honor you through the gift that was a priceless gift. God, we, we could never deserve it, we could never earn it, but God, we are forever grateful. And God, I pray that, that you would give us that peace in our heart, knowing that you love us, and you will forever love us. Amen.